This Water's Catch podcast is proudly brought to you by Audible. Do you find that you just don't have time to read all of the awesome books that you hear mentioned on The Wellness Couch? Well, Audible might just have the answer. Audible is offering The Wellness Couch listeners a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can get books like Eat Right for Your Blood Type, Why We Get Fat by Gary Torbs, The Paleo Diet for Athletes, or even The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch for your free audiobook. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now please welcome your host, the abnormal psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today, I'm very excited to interview Monica Topless, who is Australia's leading gluten-free chef. So welcome, Monica. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you very much for having me here today. Well, it's so exciting because we so love your book and products and they've been such an inspiration to my family. As some of the TAP listeners will know, I have a son that is allergic to wheat. He's not a celiac and he's not actually gluten-free. He's actually allergic to wheat. So a lot of the gluten-free resources are very important to our family. But what I'd love to hear from you, Monica, is the story about how this all came to be. How did these beautiful books and products come to be available to us around Australia? Oh, I guess it goes back very many years, probably initially to when I was seven years old and at home in the kitchen. Um, I'm, I don't know if the listeners know, but I'm born of Italian parents and come from a restaurant family. So being a celiac as a child, I could not go through life not being able to eat all the yummy things that my friends were eating. So that was really the start of my food journey, if you like. And I used to be at home prepare, preparing food and pretending I was on television and just knowing that one day food would be my life. But of course, my mother, my father, they were from the restaurant business, didn't want me to grow up in the food industry. They wanted something better for their daughter. So I tried other careers and got to the age of 21 and just realized that I needed to follow my passion. And um, I was actually studying to be a hotel receptionist, working in a big hotel chain and just struggling with balancing the till at the end of the day and tearing my hair out. And just I went home one night and I thought, I really don't want to be doing this. So I just went home that night, spoke to my father especially and said, Dad, I need to get into food. It's what I want to do. And an amazing opportunity arose. I wrote to some very famous chefs in London called the Rue Brothers and told them my story, how I was so passionate about food. And if a recipe didn't work out, I would just keep going. Even if it took 20 or 22 times, I'd keep going till I perfected it. And they must have read something special in that letter because the next thing I had a letter from their secretary saying, could you come up and have an interview? And so the next thing, that was it. That was the start of working in a commercial kitchen. And, um, yeah, it was a very hard introduction to the industry. And from there, I just basically worked in restaurants, got married, came to Australia, had my own restaurant. But as time went on, I think it's probably the same with most people. You pick out the parts of your job that you enjoy and you just try to find ways to 
maximize that side of your job and try and get rid of the side that you don't like. And for me, I just realized that what I really enjoy is cr the creative side. So, for instance, when you have a restaurant, you're really bang to that menu. So every day, every week, you're basically preparing the same food, more or less, even though you might have specials. But um, so for me, from there, I sort of veered a bit more into um, the idea of writing a book. Um, so I was always pottering at home on my days off because I couldn't be creative in the workplace as such. All these ideas I'd wake up with because when you're naturally creative, you just have ideas come to you all the time. You get inspiration from everywhere. So I'd always be pottering at home and I'd be jotting notes down. It wasn't until four years ago that I was asked by the owners of Canara Organic Marketplace if I was interested in setting up a cafe for them that things started to change because the cafe was set up to be completely gluten-free from the get-go and it soon became apparent with their clientele base that was coming in. It wasn't just gluten that people didn't want. We were having people regularly come in saying, have you got anything without eggs? We can't have sugar. We can't have soy. Just so many different things. So I actually started my journey then of becoming even more specialized from not just being um, specialized in gluten-free cooking, but I had to teach myself more and go further, nut-free, egg-free, vegan. And the cafe just grew and grew and grew, got busier and busier, and people were coming in. I'm really truthful here. Maybe two or three people a day would say to the girls on the front counter, can Monica please write a cookbook? Can she please write a cookbook? When's the cookbook coming out? So I kind of got the girls to take everyone's names down every time that happened. And in the end, it really did get embarrassing because after a year of telling people that, oh, yes, it's coming out soon, it's coming out soon, I decided I would, I just have to do it. So unless you actually make something happen, it never does happen. So I took time out of my schedule. I approached a good friend. She knew a photographer and we did it. And it, seriously, that was the turning point in my life. Once you've written a book, things start to happen. And I was just lucky that the book has been as successful as it has. I don't know. I think sometimes it's just that X factor. You know, I would just manage to fluke the right size, the right font, the right recipes. I don't know how, but I've had consistent good feedback from that book. So from selling out from the first print, I've done a second print, and now I'm about to do a third print with a hardcover copy because it's still in demand. So that's sort of how I got into the book side of it, and that then led to promotions for the book. It's funny how one thing leads to another, and I'd be outside stores. So it started with the wraps. I have a wrap recipe in my book, and I'd be making the wraps, and I'd say to people, oh, it's on page whatever in the book, and They'd go in to go and buy the ingredients and then they'd say, oh, can't you just buy it pre-prepared? Don't you have a mix? And that's when the sort of light bulb moment happened. And I thought, hmm, mixes, that might be a good way to go. And um, it wasn't just one person, two people. It was happening quite regularly again. So, And then also I was looking back at my past and all the little businesses that I've had. They've all been such hard work. When you're dealing with food, you know, it's a fresh product. You have to transport it. You've got to look at refrigeration, short shelf life. And I thought, oh, mixes, that's another great thing about them. They, they're in a packet. They're dry. You can do 
you manufacture, you can do large runs. All the things, all the mistakes that I've done in the past, I kind of have tried to learn from them. And so this now is my full-time um, project, if you like. Um, it's still very young, so the mixes only went out on the market oh, last October. And I've just recently given up. I've had all sorts of little projects all running at the same time and feeling a bit stressed, thinking I'm not really doing any of them properly. So it's actually just two weeks ago that I made that decision that I was going to just pull the plug on some of them and really focus on one thing and do it properly, which I've never done in my whole life. I've always been trying to multitask. But I think if you want, as, as you get older, I don't think you have as much energy and you, you try to find ways of doing something that you love, that you're good at, but that is also sustainable. So I can, with this business, I can see so clearly in front of me how to grow it so that's where I'm at now and and I'm loving it because it's giving me the opportunity to keep doing product development so with Unique they're keen for me to come out with different mixes quite frequently so every four times a year you have the opportunity to introduce a new line so I've already got the next couple of mixes ready to go and um, I plan on continuing this and growing this for in my plan, 10 years, and just get it to, you know, hopefully export as well and get it to something quite large because I'm proud of it. There's so many products out there that are full of empty calories. They have no nutrition. So for me, I really do like to eat healthy, and I, I will not eat something if I know it's not going to be good for me I mean we all have our little lapses and our treats what have you but um, these mixes even when we're mixing them they just feel wholesome or the flowers are just quite different and unique and you know just really high protein and when you eat anything made with the mixes you stay full for quite a long time it's not just it's not they're not full of starches that are just going to give you um, spikes in sh blood sugar levels you know they're just almost like a slow GI effect. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. That's amazing. So one thing as you were telling that story that I was curious about is you talked a bit about your creativity and that you had to make decisions about where to focus your energy. Do you have a way in which you did that? Like how do you have this vision of growth? I mean, whether the listener is thinking about a product or writing a book or it might be to have another baby. You know, how do you go about making decisions on where your energy should go? For me, it's very simple. Um, two years ago, I moved to Malulaba and went through a bit of a, I guess you'd call it a midlife crisis, and found that the only thing that got me up in the morning was to walk to the beach and sit in front of the Malulaba Surf Club with my coffee and look out at the ocean. And I've been doing that religiously every day for the last two years. And I sit there and I just focus. I guess it's maybe some form of meditation. I don't know. But every day I focus on where I'm at and where I want to be because that, that sort of goal and plan can sometimes change. So you've just got to do it so regularly. And because sometimes I get excited about oh, different people will approach me all the time and say, can you come and help me with the food in my cafe, I'm floundering, can you 
you know, I'll get an email from someone saying, I really need a pancake recipe that has no dairy in. And I just feel like, because I know I can do it, I get excited and I want to do it and I end up doing all these different things. So by focusing every day, I look at what's the end goal. I'm quite sort of um, focused in that way. So for me, I mean, everyone's, I work backwards. So what, what do I want out of my life? That's the question that I ask myself. And for everyone, the answer is different. But for me, it's to have financial freedom so that I don't have to get up and go to work. That's not to say I don't want to do anything. I love doing things, but to have that luxury of choosing what you want to do. So if one day I want to go and have a cooking, run a cooking class or do a workshop, or I might want to hop on a plane and go to Melbourne and visit somebody, I might want to host a dinner party. I might want to go and volunteer somewhere in Vietnam, whatever it is is to have that freedom. So how I say to myself, how do I get that? So it's working backwards. It's working out how you can get to that point. So I have my plan. I've already worked out how I'm going to pay my mortgage off, how I'm going to grow this business so that I can get to that point. But that means that you do have to constantly assess, reassess, and and make that your focal point. So... I've always been pretty focused and driven in that way, and my head rules my heart, not the other way around. So sometimes, even if something's really hard, I will push myself to do it if I know it's going to get me where I need to be. And going through the hard things that you might be either scared of or just not wanting to do, you feel the buzz you get after you've done it is just like being on drugs. For instance, I was asked to do, um, last year to go and do two days at the Toowoomba Flower Festival. So it was my biggest gig that I've done to date. So it was in front of a crowd of, I don't know, maybe a hundred people. And the only other guest chef was, um, a well-known famous chef on Australian television. So that was pretty intimidating. And the whole year leading up to it, I was having minor panic attacks about this. But I just made myself do it. And do you know, once you've done it, how much strength that gives you, it makes you feel, wow, I really can do anything. It just really does make you strong. And from one thing, you just, everything becomes easier. So it's, that's, that's how it is for me anyway. And, um, yeah, it's just making yourself do the things you don't feel comfortable with. In the psychology business, we call that self-efficacy, which is the fancy word that I've mentioned a few times on the podcast. And self-efficacy basically means when you start to collect experiences, even if you don't see them at first, that demonstrate your capacity to cope or demonstrate that you are successful, that gives you even more motivation to keep moving forward. So it can be the same for children or adults. It's saying, hey, remember when you did that, that actually involved the same skills. I know you're frightened of what you're about to do ahead, but we know you've got the skills. We just need to apply it to that situation. So that's using that self-efficacy, the evidence the person has that they've been successful in the past. So I can really understand how that has motivated you. But I think the risk with a lot of people 
is they forget that. They forget their past successes. They forget what they have survived to get to the point they are at. They may not have saved the world or, you know, invented something fabulous, but remembering where we've had successes can be incredibly important to our future successes. So I guess a question and a question that I ask most people that come onto the show is what have you learned about other people through your experience of working in kitchens and working with people, working with people who are struggling with food? What have you noticed or observed about people through your experiences? Uh, I, I think the main thing is that we are essentially all the same and everybody does have there's everyone has an issue that they are struggling with. Um, I don't know if it stems back to everybody's childhood. You know, we nobody has the perfect parents, or even if they do, you know, as a child you might perceive or interpret something your mother or father said in a certain way, and we all grow up holding on to, onto things. So I just find interacting with people, if somebody's, you know, being a bit unkind or judged me or been unfair in any way I just I just try to say to myself they've got their issues they're on their journey I don't hold it against them and and just to keep moving forward and not worry about what anyone else is doing just worry about what I'm doing because yeah you don't know what kind of day that person's had or week or you know they might be married to somebody that's really awful and treated them badly and they just happen to come to work and you know, take it out on you. So, yeah, just try not to take it personally. But essentially, I think we are all dealing with the same sorts of things and it's just how we deal with them that makes us different people. You know, some people will learn or try and work through their stuff and other people just can't. I guess that's why they, some people do need counselling or help. What about you? What what have you learned about yourself through this um, amazing. I mean, you've had so many colorful and amazing experiences in the restaurant business. And, you know, and I know restaurants and the back of restaurants can be quite harrowing. And I do recall the days back when I lived overseas and I did have a stint there as a dish pig for a while. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it is another culture behind those, those serveries of even the fanciest restaurants. So I guess there's been lots of different environments, regardless of your own experiences, but lots of different high-pressure work environments that you've that you've been in. What kind of things have you learned about yourself that you feel are really valuable? Um, that's a hard one. <laughs> oh, I, I think I've just my biggest thing is I just tell myself expect life to be hard, and when when it's not hard, then it's a bonus. So, you know, a lot of people just expect life to be a cruisy, easy ticket. And, um, you know, when it's not, they're just constantly disappointed. So for me, it's just getting on with it and finding my inner strength and knowing that there is going to be difficult times um, and accepting that. Because if you accept it, then you just kind of, it doesn't seem to affect you in such an awful way. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure really. I think that's a really good answer. <laughs> um, so what about rituals or you said before that, um, and we've certainly had a couple of other guests too that talk about this idea of, 
you know, when you're going to put things into your body, making sure that they are things that nourish you. So I'm guessing you have a bit of a food philosophy there. But what, what about your whole life philosophy in routines and rituals that you do to keep yourself healthy and balanced? What kind of things or is there even three top tips that you have that you could share with us? Well, I'm probably the best person to ask about routines because I'm very much a routines-y kind of girl. Um, my one thing that I do every single day, as I said, is get up and go and look at the ocean. So I spend about 15 to 20 minutes doing that. That's with my coffee. So I always go to my favorite little coffee shop, the Columbian on Brisbane Road. Danny is a wonderful, wonderful friend. So we always say hi and have a bit of a catch up and a hug. And I take my coffee, look, go and look at the ocean and then always go for my walk. Now it's always a power walk from the surf club right to the end of the spit and back again. I do that twice a day and that time is so important to me. It doesn't matter what appointments I have. If I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning, because some mornings I have to be at work at six, I, I will still get up at three thirty, four o'clock. It doesn't matter. I have to fit that extra hour in in the morning to get those things done so that I can move forward in the day in a positive way and those walks totally clear my head it's it's the one time of day when you just leave yourself open as you're walking I mean you're obviously getting that wonderful exercise as well but your brain is just open to the sound of the waves and thoughts just come and go they come and go just random thoughts but I always find by the end of my walk I've either found solution to a problem or I've created my next amazing dish, you know, thinking of different flavors to combine. And it's just, it's a time when it sort of sorts me out for the day, if you like. So always do that. And my other thing that I'm very, very strict about, well, two actually, I have to not work for three days of the week. Because my life is so busy on the other days and I'm literally thinking from, you know, four o'clock in the morning when I wake up till the evening, just because I work from home as well. So I'm constantly on the computer, emails, zipping around in my car, doing things. I have to have three days off. I found that that is sustainable for me. So working out, again, we're all different, but that is a absolute non-negotiable thing for me. So if somebody says, can we meet Friday? I just say, no, I'm very sorry, but I'm not available on that day. And Sundays is a day I have to spend by myself and it's my indulgence day. So I get up in the morning. My first thought is, what do I feel like eating today? And it's the one day where I will go out and buy all the yummy things that I love to have with my champagne. So it might just be you know, prosciutto or some figs or just a beautiful pear that I'll just, you know, segment, uh, just some perfect piece of fruit, always a bar of chocolate and always get a couple of papers. And it's just, I put my favorite music on. I'm very lucky. I have a beautiful apartment that it's taken me a couple of years, but I've got all my favorite things. So I'm surrounded by all the things that I love and I will sit on my balcony pour myself a champagne and listen to the parrots, listen to my music. I'll go for walks. I'll go for a swim. I'll just read a book. The one thing I don't do is cook on a Sunday because for me that's reminding me of work. 
So as much as I love it, you have to have that definite break and try and do something that's different. Um, but I really do like to have that one day where I'm not talking to anyone or meeting anyone and just being by myself. And I just find that's what works for me. That makes me totally um, able to give 100% of myself on the four days that I do work and I can be really productive on those days. So it's about having clear boundaries and sticking to them. So, yeah, that's that's what works for me, Carrie. You made me wish it was Sunday. <laughs> that is such a beautiful ritual that you described. I have to ask, though, what, what's the chocolate bar? Is there a same chocolate bar? It's usually a lint bar. So it'll either be a dark dark chocolate with mint or sometimes I'll just go for a plain milk, but always lint. That's my favourite. I also have to ask, what time of day is this? Because <laughs> as you were talking, I thought you might have meant breakfast time. I'm like, oh, dear. So what time of day is this usually happening? Well, I was – well, I did have this plan that any time after midday was okay, only because my father and mother are Italian. And as you know, the Italians start – it's quite um, acceptable to start your aperitif at 11.30 in the morning. So I thought, oh, this is okay. 12 o'clock's okay. But then – I'd have two glasses of champagne and I would be completely wiped out. I thought, no, I cannot be doing this. I'm wasting my whole Sunday. So now I have a rule, not before four o'clock. Very good. Okay, just, just, just that I'd check in on that. So again, I mentioned earlier and you talked as well about the recipe book and the recipe construction and the beautiful mixes that you have that make gluten-free eating and some of the other allergy omissions easier to prepare. Would you have a favorite recipe either in the cookbook or somewhere else? What, what's, you know, or is, maybe it's too hard because it's got sweet and savory and you've got your staples. Is there anything that you really love to make or you think that are people's favorites? Um, well, my particular favorite from my first book is the Canadian spiced pumpkin pie, which is sort of like a little bit of a vegan baked cheesecake, if you like, but the flavors just really work together. You've got the lovely crunchy crisp base and then the spicy sweet filling and then you've got the coconutty topping with the praline and the orange and it's just that good combination of crunchy and sour sweet happening. Plus it, it looks quite different. So that's one of my favorites. Um, and I know it's been done a thousand million times, but the chocolate beetroot cake we still have people asking for that at the cafe at Canara now. So it's, they took it off the menu for a little while, but decided it wasn't worth it because people were very disgruntled. So it's back on there, but that's just a beautiful, it's very earthy, bit, bit like a mud cake. And, um, cause it's vegan as well. It's quite dense and wholesome and everyone can enjoy it. So there's no eggs in there, no dairy but you still feel like you're having something indulgent, especially with the, the chocolate ganache on the top. So it's melted chocolate and coconut cream and a little pinch of salt and vanilla. It's, um, yeah, you don't feel like you're missing out. Any mainstream person could enjoy it and not know that it was, you know, missing certain ingredients. So how can people find you and your products if people are wanting to get their hands on your cookbooks or have you speak at their events or do cooking demonstrations? How, where's all the different ways and places we can get a hold of you and your stuff? 
Well, the main place is just to go to my website, which is www.monikatopless.com. Um, so all my mixes are available to be purchased online. There's free delivery. And um, my, as I said, my cookbook has sold out. However, I'm working on converting that to five e-books. That's happening next week, so they will be available on the website. But also, I'm just in the process of getting a reprint done of the third book, which will have lots of new recipes and a hardcover, and it will sort of be like a collector's edition, if you like, because I think once you get to 5,000 sales, it's classed as a bestseller. So I'm up to 4,000 now, so um, I'll be really promoting that. Um, And my mixes are available in 350 stores nationally, so just check out the stockist list on my website and find your closest store. But, um, yeah, I've got new products coming out in June, so looking at adding a beautiful banana coconut bread to that and a gluten-free bread and a chocolate cake, so stay tuned. Sounds divine. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Monica, and thank you too to the TAP listener. And you might know that there's a few changes going on in the background of CarrieThompsonCasey.com, um, but I'll be letting you know about those. So don't forget to like the Facebook page at Carrie Thompson Casey. There's no hyphen in the Thompson Casey part. Just find me there on Facebook and you can find the link on the CarrieThompsonCasey.com website. And please don't forget to spread the word and tell your friends to listen to and subscribe to TAP in iTunes iTunes or via thewellnesscouch.com. And don't forget to give the show some feedback, especially a five-star rating. You know how much I like those, so don't forget to go and do that. And whether you're an organization or an individual, if you enjoyed the podcast and learning about strategies to improve your mood and psychological health, please go to carriethompsoncasey.com to look at other products and events that are coming up in your area or in different parts of the country. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.